0: We come to celebrate the birth of a child 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, in a manger, in a stall. He became the King of kings and Lord of lords. And as you saw, 500 years before his birth, it was already proclaimed. It's fascinating, isn't it? Last month, my... Uh, daughter and her husband were here and they had Eric I mean he's what six seven months I guess seven months when I when they came out here and I think about this time when what we're doing right now we're celebrating this infant and you look at an infant and all you can have for it is compassion it's there in its innocence it's it's there. Just wants to be adored. The last Sunday they were here, I took my daughter and Eric and some friends out to lunch and he, he can kind of sit up in a in a high chair. And the key word there is kind of. And but he's everything is new and fascinating to him. I don't care what it is. He was mesmerized by watching some grass blow in the breeze. I mean, you would have thought he was playing Nintendo or something. But I remember him, he was sitting at the end of the table. And he's smiling and everybody's goo-gooing all over him and trying to talk like he is and they can't do it. And all of a sudden he just arched his back As hard as he could. And bent over and looked upside down over the back of the chair. And you're just sitting there going. Who the heck was that? But everything is fascinating to him. And so when I look at that little child. I think about baby Jesus. And wouldn't he do the same thing? I mean he was only the creator of existence. That was all. And so now here he is as an infant saying, check this out. I wish I could tell mom about this. But he spoke it into existence. And that's fascinating me because as he walked his life, you think here he understands and it became clearer and clearer as he grew. This child this little baby it's kind of awesome isn't it let me explain something to you he ain't a baby anymore okay no longer a baby still innocent still very innocent but he is not a baby. And I think there are times. That we get caught up in the cuddly little Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you had better learn. He will make a second appearance. And he won't be nearly as cuddled. Chapter 5 of the book of Revelations. First five verses, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book. Or look unto it. Then I began to weep. Greatly. Because no one. Was found worthy. To open the book. Or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me. Stop weeping. Behold. The lion that is from the tribe of Judah. The root of David. Has overcome. To open the book and the seven seals. do six and seven. And I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and the elders a lamb. As if slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes. Which had been seven spirits of God. Sent out unto earth. And he came and he looked. He took the book out of the right hand of him set on the throne father we come now to see our king father we come now to see this child born 2000 years ago in bethlehem father with expectation of his imminent return father help us help us to have ears to hear help us to have eyes to see help our hearts be wide open to the amazement of our king father it is the time of christmas this is true Father, I pray that our focus now will be on the return of the King. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Listen, I I have this uh, character flaw. Right? I tell people I love history. I just eat it up, and I don't care what branch or I don't care where it is. I love history. A C A D B C it's all awesome to me. And one of the things that I do know about history, men have sought to conquer and rule the world. First was the father of lies. And he became the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. But the father of lies inspired many. Nebuchadnezzar, Darius the Persian, Alexander the Great, all of the emperors of Rome can't leave out Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Lenin, Stalin, Hitler. There will be another one coming. The final one who wants to conquer the world. and He's given the title of Antichrist. And yet every single one of these fit that picture. You know what I found, though, that is amazing to me? Every one of these, regardless of their nationality, their ethnicity, regardless of who they are or what time frame they were in, they all have one thing in common. They failed. Listen, there's only one who has the right. There's only one who has the authority. There's only one who has the power. And it's that babe... In a manger. Earth's rightful ruler. Chapter 5 of this book. Occurs right after the events of chapter 4. Which is a view into the throne room of God in heaven. And it is a party. And you kind of have to understand it. At the conclusion of 4. They're singing a bunch of hymns. And because they're all sitting there, the 24 elders, the angels and John, and they're all sitting there going, whoa! And they began singing hymns. And there's lightning flashing. And there's clapping of thunder. And there's cherub and the elders. There's music. They were celebrating God as Creator. They're celebrating God as Redeemer. They're celebrating God and rejoicing in their hearts that they're allowed to be there. But they're also celebrating that the rightful authority is getting ready to take possession. He's going to take back what is rightfully His. In our text here... It says it was sealed up with seven seals. If you go look at Roman history, I know exactly what this document is. It's the deed, the title deed. I remember when we paid off a church, we got the title deed. We paid it off, and they gave us this big roll of paper that no one could understand what it was, but it was ours. And they said, what do we want to do with it? You know what I said? Set it on fire. So we laid it into a pan down in the kitchen of our old place, and we set it on fire. Who has the title deed? Thought you'd never ask. This is a picture that was announced... About 500 years before the birth of Christ. Okay. A man named Ezekiel. In chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. And I looked and behold. A hand was extended to me. And lo a scroll was in it. And when he spread it out before me. It was written on front and back. And it was written on. It were the lamentations and mournings and woes. Because you know what? When Adam sinned, he turned the rule of the planet Earth over to Satan. And ever since then, man has tried to rule the planet. But before Adam sinned, man already had the opportunity and the privilege. When he re- revolted against Jesus Christ, the Lord Godhead in heaven, from that point on, The world ruled man. So. Point one. We need to find the worthy one. Who is worthy? Verses two through four. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven. Or on earth. Or under the earth was able to open the book or to look at it. You know, I've, I, it's, it's funny how people go and, and, and I've watched them all the time and, and I, I, I've read some, some solid people. Don't get me wrong, I don't read the fools. It says a strong angel and everybody says, well, this was Michael. Well, that ain't what it says. This was the loud angel. Well, what if it was Michael? Well, what if it was? If it wasn't, it would have said, hey, this is Michael. Well, it could have been Gabriel. All I can tell you for sure, without a doubt in my mind, he was the loud angel. Says he's a strong angel. Chapter 10, verse 1, it says it. in chapter 18, verse 21, he has a loud voice. When he speaks, there's no doubt in your mind he is speaking. But he is speaking in a loud voice because he's seeking someone who is worthy to take back possession of creation. To open the book, to break its seals. Who has the character? Who has the divine right that would qualify him to open this? It's funny because it's quiet. There ain't no answer. There's no one in heaven. There's no one on earth. There's no one under the earth. I mean, you know what's funny? It doesn't even say, Michael says, we're still looking. Or Gabriel says, well, he's out right now. He'll be back. No one righteous. Righteous. Even among the dead saints who have gone before. If you read the letter that Daniel wrote. You read it. You will find out that one of his prayers was held back. And an angel finally gets to him. And it says you are highly honored in heaven. Do you realize that at that time there had not been a cross? Do you realize what that means? That all that is up there is the Godhead and the holy angels. And above the Godhead and the holy angels. Daniel is highly exalted. But not even Daniel can open it. A search from hell to heaven presides, provides no one that is able to open it. So, what does John do? He grieves. Says he weeps. Kaleo. It's the same phrase that was used when Jesus wept over Jerusalem. It's the same phrase that was used when Peter, after he betrayed Jesus, it's unrestrained. Emotion. What we used to call crying like a baby. One of my favorites is a quote from Criswell. John's tears represent the tears of all of God's people through all of the centuries. Those tears of the Apostle John are the tears of Adam and Eve driven out of the Garden of Eden. As they bowed over the first grave, as they watered the dust of the ground with their tears over the silence, still form of their son, Abel. All of those tears of the children of Israel in bondage as they cried unto God after their afflictions and their slavery, they are the tears of God's elect through the centuries as they cried unto heaven. They are the sobs and the tears that have been wrung from the heart and the soul of God's people as they looked upon the silent dead, as they stand beside their open graves, as they experience in the trials and the sufferings of life heartaches and disappointments. Indescribable. Such is the curse of sin has laid upon God's beautiful creation. And this is the damnation of the hand of him who holds it. The usurper. That interloper. That intruder. That alien. That stranger. That dragon. That serpent. That Satan devil. And I wept audibly for the failure to find a redeemer. And it meant that this earth is in a curse, is consigned forever forever unto death it meant death sin damnation and hell should reign forever and ever and the sovereignty of God's earth should remain forever in the hands of Satan that's why John's crying who's going to redeem this thing who can take possession of this thing But you know what I like about the Bible? Sometimes men are a little premature with things. He began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy. John wept because he wanted to see the world rid of sin. John wept because he wanted to see the world rid of death. He, God, he John wept because he wanted to see God's kingdom established. He wanted to see creation back to its perfection. That's why he wept. See, he'd already been through chapter 2 and 3 in his vision, and he's seen the condition of the church, the suffering of the church, the suffering of the saints. If you've been a believer very long, you've seen it. You've seen it in your local church. You've known it around the world. You know what it's about. Everything seems to be going bad. John just wrote seven letters to seven churches. Three were kind of on the positive side. And the rest of it was a disaster. And would nobody step up, nobody worthy to open the scroll. Which brings me to verses 5 through 7. The selection of the worthy one. I like this. Because his tears are premature. One of the elders says, knock it off. That's how I'd have said it if I was one of the elders. Yeah, knock it off, man. Come on, break. See all this flashing and the clapping of thunder and the lights and all this other stuff and the singing of hymns and you're weeping like a baby. What's the matter with you? That's why I'm not an elder. Look, John. A new person is on the scene. You kind of forgot about this guy. One of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, I like this. This is a very strong term. Behold. It's like, Hey, wake up! Look! The lion. That is from the tribe of Judah. Behold. The root of David. He has overcome. Has to open the book. And the seven seals. See. John understood. That no human. Future. Past. Had the ability to open it. He understood that no angel could open it. Neither human nor angel can redeem the universe, but there is one who can. The glorified and exalted Lord Christ Jesus. That one. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Genesis forty nine, verses eight to ten. He is the root of David, Jeremiah twenty three, five and six, and Jeremiah thirty-three, fifteen to seventeen. His messianic in his title, Isaiah eleven, verse one. Jesus is the one who is worthy to take the scroll. Jesus is the rightful king. Jesus is from David. Jesus is from the lion of the tribe of Judah. Indescribable power to destroy his enemies. And he has overcome. Read chapter 19. See, in chapter 19, he's no longer pictured as a lamb. In chapter 19, he's a warrior king. King. I always like that. Comes out of heaven. It's kind of cool. He's riding a big white horse. I don't know what that means. It could be a big white horse. I don't know. It could be a big white something. And John says, it looks like a horse. I mean, it's just like Ezekiel when he saw heaven and wheel within a wheel and all the rest of it. And everybody asked me what it is. And I said, go read it. I don't know you know what is really amazing about that picture in 19? He brings the saints with him. But you know what is amazing? He brings the holy angels with him. He brings the Old Testament saints with him. He brings the church people with him. And they all come out of heaven. And I guess they're all riding big white horses. Or whatever they are. But you know what's amazing about it? There's only one who's armed. There's only one who is armed. Jesus is the one worthy to take the scroll. The rightful king. To destroy his enemies. And he has overcome. We have to understand something. The cross defeated sin. Okay. Which one? All of them. Romans chapter 8 verse 3. But the cross also defeated death. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The cross also defeated the forces of hell. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He has overcome. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And 1 John 5, 5. So I look at this and I see this blazing glory, this reflection of God's glory, this It's it's bright. You have to go back to chapter 4. It's bright. There's green rainbow things surrounding everything. And there's flashes of lightning. There's claps of thunder. There's worshiping four living creatures. And then there's 24 elders. And you know what? John is seeing all of this. It is right there like he is in it. And guess what happens? His attention turns to a lamb. To a lamb, I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb, a lamb. That's it, a lamb. I had a friend who used to shepherd lambs. It was a commercial thing, and uh, it was a blast to To go over there when they had all were having babies because they're just cute as buttons, but their mommies get really perturbed if you can I play with your cutest button, and the mommy says, when you touch that button i 'm going to knock you out, and so we never we just sit and watch them, and they do this bouncing thing, and it's just really awesome, but you kind of have to sit there and go <laughs> that cute as a lamb, Lord Jesus. Could that be the Lion of Judgment? Could that be the King of Glory? Yeah. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29. He can't be either one unless he is first the Lamb of God. The term here that you see, Lamb, Arian, that's a cute word. It's a, it's a dandy. It literally means A little lamb. I mean, we're talking little, little bitty lamb. It actually has implied to it a pet. A pet. One of the things I learned growing up in an agricultural area was don't name the animals, it just wasn't going to work out for you. Here's the lamb it's standing, it's alive. But it is looking as if it was slain. You know what that tells me? It has the deadly wound scars, and they are clearly visible. You can see them. I've always thought about that. I guess when I get there, I'll get the conclusion to it. But it's always bothered me to think that when I go to heaven... I will get a resurrected body. It will be absolutely perfect. And I will always be able to look at my Lord Jesus Christ and see the scars that He paid for me. Can't ever get away from that. The little baby that's in the manger. Yet, He is alive. Though the demons and men conspired to kill Him, He rose from the dead. It says here, As if slain. He had seven horns. In history, that always refers to power, absolute power. The number seven is a complete number, it's a perfect number. And if you had seven of anything, then you were absolute in it. But he also, he also has seven eyes, which would refer to his omniscience. He sees everything. He is complete in his power, he is complete in his understanding, and he's complete in his knowledge. which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And I, I watch people really do some weird theological gymnastics to try to understand what that was. That's not that hard, is it? The spirit of God is in all the parts of the earth? Is that really that difficult? I mean, you know, most of us, we could go, and I can go anywhere on this planet, and I can feel guilty at any given moment. Right? That's seven spirits of God. Where are they? Everywhere I go. The Holy Spirit is all the fullness, and He is into all of the earth. This is why God's judgment is only perfect. What would you hide? What would you hide? The Lamb came. To take the book. This is a new phenomenon. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 to 14. Says the same thing. How did these guys so many years before his birth. Get this thing figured out. Listen my friends. We celebrate Christmas. Christmas Eve. Hallelujah. I love Christmas. I love Christmas, but understand that the birth of this child was the arrival of the king. the worthy one has arrived to take back what is rightly his and Now you think about that for a second because when he comes back the second time with all of us, he's armed we're not. You know what that means he don't need us but he did it anyway i love the little baby in a manger the innocence remember every time an angel would show up it freaked everybody out and they had to keep saying when he showed up to the shepherds and they were like oh my god that's uh gentile for what hebrews would say he said, don't be afraid. Think about if he had come in his full radiant glory at his first event. We'd all still be freaked out. When it showed up to Mary, Mary was freaked out. When it showed up to Joseph, Joseph was freaked out. When it showed up to John the Baptist's dad, he was freaked out. I mean, when an angel shows up, it's like, oh, oh Let me tell you something. Next time Jesus shows up, you ain't even going to understand what uh oh means. You're going to be wishing, gosh, I'd give you anything that was just an angel. Because holy righteousness is fearful to sinful man. And when he comes back, there will be no excuse because he's coming back to get what is rightfully his and he deserves to have it back in his hand. Let us pray. Father, we come before you with expectations of your return to um, gather back what is yours. Father, I I love this time of season. I see the innocence of this little child And yet I know that you will return and there will be great fear on the planet earth. Yet, Father, the innocence of that child is still the same of he who will cause that great fear. The same eyes of that little child looking into his mother's eyes is the same eyes that will burn with fire in judgment. Father, we who are called by your name, We who will rule with you. Father, we who have been blessed with the privilege of seeing your word being in your body. Father, may we never take that for granted. Father, may we be overwhelmed. Father, may we understand the privilege that is believing to us. Help us, Father. Help us. In strange times, and you are still on your throne. And the lamb awaits in Christ's name. Amen.